Welcome to Pursuing Justice. I am Harriet Handel. Today, we continue our discussion about pardons in the state of Pennsylvania. We have spoken to the Secretary of the Board of Pardons, Celeste Trustee, and now we meet Naomi Blount Wilson, who was pardoned by the board in Pennsylvania in July of 2019. Welcome, Naomi. Thank you. It's good to have you with us. You have a story that is uniquely your own. Take us back nearly 40 years and tell us what your life was like then. Well, um, I can start by saying I had a beautiful childhood, beautiful childhood. My my parents were married for 50 years. They loved each other. Uh, we had a lot of love in the home. I had one sister. She was four years older than myself, and she died at the age of 19 with cancer. So it was just me. Um, and um, my parents loved me. I mean, there were no problems at home, but um, I just wanted to get away. I think they were a little too strict for me at that that age and time. So I started hanging out with uh, the wrong people. Uh, people that I knew were no good for me, but for some reason in my mind, it was exciting. Hmm. And I started drinking and smoking marijuana and just, you know, uh, shooting heroin. I, I just went on like a downhill spiral. And um, I met with a friend and a friend of mine, we were hanging out together and unbeknownst to me and probably to her at that time, uh, she killed someone and I was with her. And so we were both sentenced to life, life. without the possibility of parole. Okay. And how old were you then? I was 32 when I went to prison and 69 when I was released. Well, that was going to be my next question, that you spent 37 years um, in, in prison. Were you in different prisons in the state of Pennsylvania, or did you remain in one? No, I was, there's only two uh, female institutions in Pennsylvania, oh. and I was in both of them, Cambridge Springs and SCI Muncie. Okay. All right. So that was an incredible sentence, first of all, no matter how old you are. I mean, you weren't a kid, but still. Um, what, what helped you remain hopeful, if, if that's a good word, during all those decades that you were incarcerated? Well, um, I'm going to really give that credit to my parents. Because, you know, things that people instill in you from the cradle, you don't forget it. No matter how much you run the streets or you're around those other kinds of people, you don't forget the morals, you know. And um, they love the Lord, my parents did. You know, I listened to gospel music all my life, stayed in Sunday school every day of the week. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I'm saying on the choir, just, you know, church, church, church. I was churched out, but <laughs> <laughs> really. 
but you know, I, I never forgot, you know, where I came from. And so just my faith in God, you know, I was like, Lord, now you know my situation. You're supposed to be all knowing. You've got to do something. You know, you you've got to do something. And um prayerfully, you know, just by the grace of God that I sit here today, really, just by the grace of God, because um I went up for commutation five times. Did you? Wow. Five times. Now and tell tell us what does that mean, commutation? Going up for commutation is getting a pardon for your crime. I see. And you will be, if you make it like I did, I am on parole for the rest of my life. Are you? I didn't realize that. Yes. So, so you were denied a pardon all those times. And what, um, first of all, how did you even learn about the Board of Pardons? Is that well known uh, to people in prison? Well, um, it, it is now thanks to the other lifers that had been there before I had even come there. Mm -hmm. And um, they knew about the commutation process. And of course, when you go to prison and you're sentenced to life, uh, right away you think that this is it, um, This I'm going to die here, you know. But uh, you had some lifers that were encouraging that would say, well, don't give up because there is like an avenue that we can take to try and, you know, get relief from this place. So I was told that my first application would be like an introduction. They were mm -hmm. like, don't look for it yeah. the first time, you know, they're, right. they're just getting to know you. Right. But my second time, my third time, my fourth time, they, my fifth time, they still getting to know me, you know? Right. Right. What was the space in between all those attempts uh, at getting a pardon? How many? How oh, many well, it was here? years in between because you can't really just go up back to back. It has to be like a two to three year, you know, waiting process before you apply again. It's almost like parole where if they deny you uh, most of the time, it's a, a two years before you can go before the parole board. So this is a little bit similar, yeah, but, it, it but, is. It's, but it's different. Now, tell us um, what a pardon, wh why, why um, go for a pardon? Why would you do that? Well, um, there, that's the only relief that we have. That, that is oh. our only hope. That is our last hope. The last All hope. of your, you know, court appeals have been exhausted. You have no other avenue to take except to ask for that pardon. And what, as you began that process, um, how how much hope did you have? How many people actually successfully get a pardon? Not many. You can count them on one hand. Oh boy. Yeah. So it it wasn't many. And then after uh, we had a couple of guys released that did have life sentences and they went out and messed up and that mm. shut that board down for years Wow! Really? where they were letting none of us go. So those guys really messed it up for the ones to follow, right? They hurt everybody doing LIFE. Yeah, they certainly did. Certainly did. So um, the, the final 
attempt that you made um, after you applied? And and did anyone help you with your your applications uh, over that time? All those different times you applied. Well, I, you know, we we had a, a woman named Sharon Wiggins. Uh, a lot of people probably heard of her. She was like the greatest person that I met. She was a juvenile lifer. Mm. And um, had she not passed away when she was on the inside, I'm sure that she would have been the first juvenile lifer to make it out. But, you know, people like her, you know, uh, Rose Dinkins, you know, Ellen Melchiondo, uh, who works prison society now, and Dr. Brown, Kathleen Brown. Um, she's from uh, the Penn State University. And I'm telling you, in fact, this very last time, had it not been for Dr. Brown, I wouldn't be sitting here because they denied me on my fifth time as well. Everybody on the board said no. And, and Dr. Dr. Brown, she said, Naomi, you have to put in a reconsideration. Well, I've never heard of a reconsideration. And I'm sure that some of the other lifers had never heard of it either, or somebody would have said something to me. And she said, put in a letter of reconsideration. And I'm like, Dr. Brown, what is a letter of reconsideration? So she says, where you, you know, tell them to reread your application. Tell them, you know, tell them the things that you've continued to do since your denial. So... I wrote this letter, but I didn't try to be proper with it. I didn't type it out. I hand wrote it. And then something, I just put it in my Bible. Hmm. And I let that letter sit there for a, 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 a minute, maybe almost a week. But I was going in my cell one night and something said, Naomi, mail that letter. So I mailed that letter. Of course, I prayed on it a little bit. And I mailed that letter. Two weeks later, I got something from Harrisburg, the Board of Pardons. I was like, I don't even want to open this. I said, because it was too fast. And I know that they're saying no again. So I gave it to my roommate. I said, open it. <laughs> my roommate opened the letter. She said, oh, you want to read this. I said, I said, no, I don't. I said, go ahead. What did I said, they said, she said, please read it. And when I read that letter, they said that I was given a public hearing and all my five no votes had turned to all five yes votes. Now, what, what, do you, what do you attribute to that incredible turnaround after all the denials? I give really a lot of, lot of praise and gratitude to uh, the Lieutenant Governor Fetterman. That man really, and I don't know, you know, God is just who he is, but for some reason, he placed me on that man's heart. And that man read my paperwork. He even went as far as the, the autopsy report and everything. And he's like, they have this woman in prison after my weapons were vacated like three years after I was even in prison. He was like, why are you in? So this man fought for me. And I'm telling you, it was just the best thing that ever happened to me. And then when I was released, after he commuted me, he and his team, he offered me a job. Yeah, you mentioned that to me. And what, what kind of job is it that he offered you? Well, I'm a commutation specialist. And I help the others that are on the inside fill out their applications. It's 
you know, I speak with the family members. I get to know them. They get to know me. You know, um, when Harrisburg was open, I go to the hearings. You know, um, I I'm in contact with the you know residents on the inside, like on a daily basis. They call me. We talk. You know, I I'm an encouragement to them, and 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 I'm a that light of hope that I know that they need because I've been there before. That's right. There's no one who knows things better than you do. I mean, you know, if just someone on the street said, oh, I'll help you with your application. There's no one like you. You've been through the process. Now, how do you how do you help with the application? Do you see these people in person or you do most of it on the phone or computer or what? Well, they call me up on the phone and we email each other like all the time. I see. Yeah. And so and some of them, they have my address because I'm not in the office right now. Mm -hmm. And I have them, you know, mail their applications to me if they want me to look over some things or if they can just email it to me and I will read, you know, whatever it is and tell them, well, I think maybe you should just do, you know. So I just give them, you know, a little bit of insight through email or, you know, a snail mail or on the phone. Right. How extensive is the application when you finish filling it out? Is it a lot of paperwork? Well, it's really not a lot of paperwork. They've really made it easier than it used to be, you know. So, um, and and um, it's just not as lengthy as a lot of people would think. You know what I mean? They they ask simple questions, and I've learned that that's all they want is just tell the truth and answer the question because I know when I first started filling out my application, my very first one, oh, I must have just went to California. You know what I mean? Just writing all kinds because I didn't want to leave anything out. But it was too much. Too you much. Know, they asked the question, answer the question, and that's it. So this is what, you know, I, you know, put in people's heads, look, get to the point. Don't say what you think somebody was thinking because you don't know that. Just say what you did. Take responsibility. Be remorseful. You know right, what I mean? Right. And show the change in you because people do change. What, but the application is not that difficult. Right. And and speaking of change, um, we, we spoke, uh, you and I, about the whole concept of second chances. Um, what, what's your... What's your philosophy or your feeling about a second chance? I believe that people, and I'm not saying everyone, but I believe that some people deserve second chances. I have met some of the most beautiful women that I think I've ever met in my life on the inside, you know, and people do change. We age out. You know what I mean? After a while, you you just don't even feel the same. You change. And I think that so many are deserving of a second chance. And this is why I try to be the person that I am. And it's really not a problem because I just have that heart. I have a good heart. And, you know, I, I want to be an example so that when people see me, that they will know that there are others that are on the inside that are just like me. So give them that second chance. They deserve it. Yeah, there are others that are deserving indeed. Um, you're involved. We don't have a lot of time left, but I wanted to mention you're involved with Shining Light. What is that group? Yes, Shining Light is a nonprofit organization, and 
their uh, goal is to unlock human potential for those that are on the inside. So we travel um, to all the prisons in America and we teach programming about character strengths, things that people need to know about themselves to, you know, perhaps when they're released that they can be a better person and not reoffend and go back to prison. But we try and teach them, you know, about their character strengths, who they really are, to love themselves, you know, mm -hmm. and then to know that it's people like me that didn't forget about them, that, you know, I love them as well. That's great. You actually travel to prisons across the country? Yes, we do. In fact, um, uh, I've been to North Dakota. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two prisons in North Dakota. And um, oh, Shining Light, you need to look Shining Light up. I will. You can just, yep, just look them up and you can see my, my boss, Jeff Boone. He's a great guy and he loves what he does. And uh, you you know, I met him when he had come inside of Muncie Prison. Uh -huh. And I, the love that they gave us, I was like, wow, this can't be real. But then here, here I am, and I met up with Shining Light, and they are just as beautiful outside as they were when they came inside. And I know that what they were giving off is real. You could feel realness. You know real from fake. Oh, and sure. they were just really, and they were just real people. And Jeff offered me a job, and, and I'm loving it because it's the same thing that I'm already doing, you know, interacting with those on the inside. I think there's there's no substitute for uh, I visit a lot of people in prison, but I've never been inside, but you have. And I, I think that's what makes all the difference that you're bringing a, a special set of skills and experiences that the ordinary person doesn't have. And you understand uh, the people on the inside. And I'm sure you're an inspiration to them. So that's, so you, you have two jobs, really. You're juggling, you know, uh, the computation specialists and work with Shining Light. That's really incredible, Naomi. You've turned your life all the way around. Oh, so yes. Are your, are your parents still alive? My parents both died when I was on the inside. Oh. Yes. So, so. they ne never saw you never so i was i talk to him all the time you know in my yeah. heart and i'm saying lord i hope that these people know that i'm just not the same no you're not that the person that they used to worry about and cry about and lose sleep over and you know i'm not i'm not that person anymore and they wanted me home so bad yeah, my mother sure she would say oh naomi I, I just want you to just come and just lay in the bed with me. She said, and if I die in the morning, she said, it'll be all right because I got my baby home. Yeah. So, That's... you know, they, they wanted me home so bad and didn't get the chance to see it, but, well, you but know. You, you're, you're out and doing wonderful things, and I'm so uh, proud and pleased that uh, you were here today to share your story with our listeners and thank you so so much for being a part of pursuing justice. And oh, I want to thank <laughs> you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And next time we're going to meet uh, Akeem Sims, who also uh, received a pardon, but it was uh, last year. Your yours was 2019. So 
So we welcome him to the program. So thank you once again, Naomi, for joining us today. It was a pleasure to speak with you and uh, keep on doing all the wonderful work you do and spread the light. I think you're doing that already. Thank oh, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Be blessed. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Pursuing Justice. And you're clear. How did we do with time? Because you sent that. Well, you actually had five minutes left. Oh, all right. Well, I sent it too early. My apologies. So what do you want to do? You really have five minutes left? It seems so much longer. Yeah, you had, you're at 20 minutes now. Oh. What the, I guess I thought we started earlier. So what what do you want to what do you want to do with the the five minutes we still have? I don't, I don't well, know. Well, why don't you give us uh, five more minutes and I'll just stick it in there before you end the show. All right. So what uh, what could you talk about for the for five minutes, uh, Naomi? What could we expand on? I don't know. Can you think of something you could talk about for another? Because we're sh we're now short. We only okay, did why don't you, go, you got four minutes. So let's talk about uh, what the differences are between when she was inside and now that she's outside. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. We okay. Do that. And I'll give okay. you four minutes on that and I'll count you down. Okay. Three, two, one. So Naomi, you spent over, well, actually almost four decades um, in, in prison. Um, then you come out just a couple of years ago. What kind of challenges were there and differences from those two very, very different lives that you experienced? Well, it's been a really difficult challenge, I would say that, uh, because um, when I went to prison, you know, they still had phone booths. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And um, technology is like crazy. Even right now, um, I work with computers, but I'm still not as good as I would like to be. You know, the technology is just something that I, I just, I'm not used to, you know, so it's difficult. The traffic, you know, in driving, you know, really, I... I get anxiety just driving because people just don't even drive the way they used to anymore. They don't use their signals. They go through the red light, the stop sign. So, you know, it's just so many things have changed. The city has changed. You know, when you say the city, where where do you live now? I, I live in Philadelphia. Oh, you do? So yes. oh, I'm sure there are huge changes. Oh, yes. I mean, what, what specifically has changed in your eyes? Because a lot like there used to be projects and mm -hmm. schools and, you know, different places that I grew up seeing. Yeah. But they're no longer there. They like knocked them all down and they're, you know, uh, putting up new apartment complexes. And, you know, it's just so, so, so different. I mean, they're even jogging around here you know, something that they, they didn't do. Yeah. <laughs> when I went to prison, you know, they have bikes that you can literally rent the bikes, you know, on That's the right. sidewalk. They, they just, they, things have just changed so much. And then, you know, it, you've got a lot of gun violence here in yes, Philadelphia. You do. 
Yeah, and that is pretty scary, you know, because you don't know uh, a firecracker from a gunshot. You know what I mean? And it seems like a lot of the young don't have the respect that we used to have when I was growing up, you know, because my neighbor could could spank my butt if she felt like, you know, I needed it and did something wrong. But the children lock their parents up now, be hit them. They, they threaten them, you yeah. know. So it's so different. Everything is different. different. But, but you have managed to uh, make that adjustment difficult as it is. And uh, I think that's, that's wonderful. And I guess yeah. over time, you have to keep uh, meeting the different challenges that come your way. So Yeah, um, I do. I do. Right. But you know what, Harry, let me say this before we leave. Sure. I'm one of those type of persons that I'm 72 years old. So I'm not going to live 72 more years. No. So I just like to give of myself, you know, and enjoy life, help whoever I can help, you know, because I'm just passing through, right. you know, and soon this life will be over. But I just want to leave a mark just where my great grandchildren will be able to say that was my grandma. Yeah, That's a great way to end, Naomi. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we appreciate your being here today and we look forward to our next uh, podcast with uh, Akeem Sims, who also received a pardon and we'll hear his story next time on Pursuing Justice. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. You have been listening to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio. I'm your host, Harriet.